0: this old-fashioned football episode featuring brian noel of breckenridge distillery on the sports gambling podcast network is brought to you by game time your home for the lowest price last minute tickets download the game time app today and use promo code sgpn for 20 dollars off we're also brought to you by underdog fantasy play underdogs pick them for a chance to win 100 times your money promo code offsgpn at underdogfantasy.com for 100 percent deposit match We're also brought to you by hall of fame bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, props, and game lines. Download the hall of fame bets app or visit hufbets.com use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today.
1: Hey, what's up? This is Sam Ocho and you're listening to old fashioned football.
2: Fashion football.
1: You make this deal right now, you pancake eating
0: mother.
3: All right.
1: Deal. I'm in
2: old fashioned football
0: welcome welcome to old fashioned football if you're wondering who you're listening to this is j mark you can find me on the x at j mark football and if you're wondering who us is that's at old fashioned f b before I keep going i got to bring in my co-host on the pod and in life you can find her on the x at the mer mark mur
1: how you doing today doing great Justin
0: we so a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. we recorded an episode with the founder of breckenridge distillery and current ceo as well uh brian nolt yes and it was amazing
1: it was it was such a good time i've been really excited um this is the first interview that we have done with a future release date
0: yes so and we we as soon as mm-hmm. we did it we wanted to release it right away
1: but we've had such a booked schedule yeah (laughs)
0: scheduling just didn't work out so but uh the anticipation has been great i know we've talked to a lot of you about it we we've posted it on the socials people have been getting amped and the day is finally here it is it's whiskey wednesday
1: whiskey wednesday uh gotta love that
0: yeah grab yourself a drink uh even if it's water you don't have to drink whiskey uh we we uh we're all for responsible choices and safe choices for sure and let's just jump right into this
1: let's do let's let's bring in our interview with Brian
0: all right hope you all enjoy all right everybody our guest this week is the person who started it all at Breckenridge Distillery but not just the founder a doctor as well we're going to get into that please welcome Brian Nolt. Brian how you doing today doing great guys thanks for having me glad to be here we're
1: we're glad to have you on our show with us
0: absolutely welcome to to talk booze and sports yes (laughs)
1: that's right
0: yeah so let's just start there i mean we talk a lot of football uh breckenridge distillery is the has a partnership with the broncos i assume you're a broncos
3: fan i am but it's complicated because i'm from kansas city so uh i have have, yeah i have two favorite teams sure
0: one of them i'm gonna go watch play this weekend Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going (laughs) to guess we don't have to ask who you're rooting for in the Super Bowl, right? (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely not the, not the Niners this time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, let's just talk Broncos briefly. What were your thoughts on, on their year? I mean, it was a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Go ahead. That, that's for sure.
0: Well, I mean, I think they, they,
3: they kind of finished where we all thought they would, you know, they were going to mm-hmm. be around 500. We all kind of thought, you know, that's a big improvement over last year, but yeah. we didn't expect them to lose, you know, the first lose all their winnable games early in the season and then mm-hmm. come back and, you know, knock off, um, you know, KC And yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it, was <laughs> weird. it was, it was, they took the long way to get there. They, the hard path I think to you yeah, know, yes. get to even and um you know it's just it's tough uh with salary cap for them because
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know they're they're big they're big move franchise quarterback just it didn't work out the way they hoped and um so now you've got all that dead cap space hanging yep. overhead and um you know and the Broncos organization is just, I mean they're just incredible people uh in the organization mm-hmm. and the, the team is Uh, I mean, it's a fantastic team, you know, and, um, Colorado really, really gets behind the Broncos. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's one of those great, um, football towns. It just, it really is. And, um, so, you know, being a Broncos fan is, is, you know, a lot of fun. Usually it's just, you know, we're in a rut since, uh, since Peyton retired, but, um, I think it's going to take a few more years to get, you know, to really get back to, to doing awesome things, but the ownership, they're in it to win it for sure. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to do whatever they can do. So I'm, I'm optimistic long-term for the Broncos.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we're bears fans. So we understand. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: that. yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I was at that game uh, too. Oh, yeah. And, um,
3: uh, you know, first off, sorry, But, but secondly, I just, you know, I was there and when I wasn't like drinking a beer, I was kind of thirsty. And I have to say that was like the first time I've had RC Cola in a long time. (laughs) That's all there is at Bear Stadium, man. It's RC Cola everywhere. Yeah yeah like i I haven't had this like since 1980 or something like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm kind of out of date like the rest of the bears organization seems (laughs) to be
1: (laughs) do you go to a lot of football games yeah i do
0: i i try to go to every
3: broncos home game uh and you know I i make it to most of them
1: that's fun yeah i have um so we're located in iowa but i work with a lot of people who are in the denver area i've been out to denver multiple times for work and the the broncos fans out there they're (laughs) they've they're very optimistic (laughs) (laughs) and they always they they bring a lot of you know just they Look
2: you know
3: they, the, no. the sun comes up, and you know for for the next season, uh we're currently undefeated, right? So there you mm-hmm. go
1: yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is true <laughs> so it's it's okay if if the answer is no, but we have to ask since you know we're fantasy football and whiskey, so we talk a lot of fantasy football too. so I have to ask you, do you play any fantasy football? Or are you in any fantasy leagues?
3: well, I um don't like to brag, but I got banned from my fantasy league because I won <laughs> too many years in a row. And so after that, I, I, I mean, I didn't get banned. They politely asked me to.
1: to leave <laughs> oh my that. goodness. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> How many years in a row did you win?
3: I won like five years in a row. Wow.
1: That's so, impressive. <laughs> yeah,
3: So I, have, I haven't played in a good couple of years and you know, it's like, um, you know, I, um, I'm going to like be in it to win it. So it takes some time, you know, if you, I mean, if you, and I don't, you know, it's probably best that I don't commit that much time to fantasy football uh, (laughs) anymore, but I live vicariously through everybody else, you know? And uh, uh, I really appreciate the leagues where, you know, whoever finishes last has to (laughs) do X, you know, whatever they determine X is for the year. Um, uh, I wasn't in this league, but um, I heard of one league where uh, the loser had to put on a full Dracula costume and mow the winner's lawn uh, like every 10 days for the whole like summer. You know, that kind of stuff. uh, I'm into that for sure. But um...
1: That is (laughs) exciting. That is good.
0: Yeah, we had a uh, somebody within our organization did an article this year of like the top ten fantasy football punishments. Yes. I'm gonna have to bring that one up to him mm-hmm. because that sounds pretty good, and that was not in his article. So I'm gonna yeah, have to no, bring it up. and I mean, you know, tattoos are overdone. and uh, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. But, yeah,
3: I
1: like yeah, I like that. I really like that one.
0: <laughs> so how did how did the Broncos thing come about? Mm-hmm. Like, um, did you guys reach out to them? Did they approach you? Can you kind of walk us through that?
3: Yeah, you bet. Um, so uh, up until like what three or four years ago, NFL didn't allow spirits uh, partnerships. So okay. you know, spirit spirits were always like the illegitimate stepchild of everything. Like the rules are always stacked against us. The taxes are always higher. The world you're always banned for. You can't do anything, you know. And but, mm-hmm. so eventually things loosen up, and um, so um, it was. I guess it was like the COVID year or you right at the start of COVID. I can't remember, but um, the NFL was finally going to allow spirits and spirits partnerships. And um, they actually reached out to us, uh, which was really cool because, you know, they were like, Hey, we, uh, you know, we, we want to do pure Colorado and that's you're, you're what we think of uh, when we think about Colorado and spirits. And Mm -hmm. so are you interested? And, you know, we had, hadn't really done a large sponsorship like that before we had a bar at uh what was previously pepsi center which is now ball arena so (laughs) where the abs and nuggets play and um so you know uh it was a bit it was a big investment and uh Mm -hmm. a big move for us at the time but um it was worth it you know and it's it's been a really good partnership
0: yeah very cool (laughs) all right we'll get right back to brian in just a second but first i gotta let you know that we're brought to you by game time listen sometimes trying to plan to go to events or sporting events concerts whatever it is it's stressful it doesn't have to be because you have game time your last minute ticket app that is just so good it's the best place to go for flash deals last minute tickets easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your arena plus one of the things i love you get images of your seat views and the lowest price guarantee. They have event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all this sort of stuff. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and now it can be yours. It it just sends right to your phone. You don't have to dig through emails trying to find the the email that has your tickets. You just buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're set on your phone. So download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code SGPN for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code SGPN for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're also brought to you by underdog fantasy underdog fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long nba nhl and college basketball simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players fantasy stats and cash in plus you can win up to 100 times your money with some spicy plays also it's draft season it's not too early to go do your best ball drafts go on over there and get your best ball drafts on underdog fantasy because i guarantee you it is the best place to do best ball drafts watch along make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on underdogs mobile app or website underdogfantasy.com and when you sign up with the promo code offsgpn underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars that's underdog fantasy promo code offsgpn i guess backing up just a little bit i, I read a little bit about kind of the start of the distillery and it, it read something about uh you had recently been to scotland You were fly fishing uh, in the Rocky Mountains, which obviously I need to spend some more time fly fishing. (laughs) So these ideas come to me. Yeah. Um, And you thought about opening a distillery. Can you walk us a little bit through that and like kind of the the transition from your doctor as well? We've talked about of, of doctor and whiskey and distillery and just kind of how it all molded together.
3: Yeah, it's it's an unusual story and, and pathway for sure. And, you know, one thing I'll say about uh, doctors is doctors are typically the worst business people on the planet. So um, so it's really unnatural to find, um, you know, I, I don't know. If, I mean, f- for someone in medicine to to do something else and and, you know, and. Other than open like a uh, med spa or something like <laughs> like that, or you know, uh, or you prescribe Wagovi to people, you know, and make some mm-hmm. money. But no, so it, I have to I have to go back. Back. So um, I moved to Colorado in two thousand three and um, mm-hmm. got in private practice. Then um, I'm I'm in my fifties. So when I trained in medicine, it was a little different than uh, modern day or current day training. It, it was um, it was just relentless. And so for about the 10, almost 10 years before I moved out to Colorado, you know, I was working 115 hours a week, like nonstop. And when you're an intern and a resident, you know, you work, at least we used to work like 364 or 365 days a year. I mean, it it was just brutal. And um, I bring it up because when you're working that much for that long, you get weird hobbies. (laughs)
2: so you don't
3: you don't have any you can't go anywhere you don't have days off you have you have no time to really do anything i mean Mm -hmm. you know you you might get a half a day off or you might get an evening off and so uh for me um you know of the things that i that i enjoyed whiskey was really the only one i could make time for and um Mm -hmm. so i just i became a you know a crazy whiskey nerd um and i loved and still love scotch in particular. So, um, and malt whiskey, you know? So, um, then I get into private practice and, um, now I can really start collecting whiskey cause I have some disposable income. You know, I've got enough money to be dangerous and now I'm only working 80 hours a week. Um, and so this sort of passion for whiskey, just, you know, kind of got boosted up on steroids and I, I became a whiskey collector. Um, I would go to Scotland whenever I could and arrange uh, meetings with independent uh, bottlers and blenders to taste through their inventories and stuff like that. And um, if if you look at the history of whiskey, you know, it's been boom and bust and the last big Mm -hmm. bust in Scotch was like in the eighties and something like half of the Scotch distilleries closed. And there's a long tradition of these independent blenders and bottlers who make, you know, uh, they would buy barrels from, distillers and then they would make their own labels and um you know they bought out all the inventory when all these um distillers went belly up and i you know i mean pennies on the pound kind of deal so um so you know i became this crazy whiskey collector i mean i would go over there and i i think um one time i came home with uh the nicest bottle i had it was over twenty thousand dollars like that's how how passionate a (laughs) a whiskey collector i was and and i had a whiskey club and um if you wanted to join my club um all you had to do was you know show up with a bottle that you didn't get at the liquor store on your way over like you at least had to put like some thought into it and um you know preferably you 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 found something good but you know i had this crazy whiskey collection and i mean we would just crush it you know we would drink it Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm not a hoarder um, I you know I it's it's amazing how much whiskey I don't even remember anymore because you know I we drank <laughs> it all like a, a sure. long time ago. But um, so that's where the passion came from, and I never thought much about it. One fateful day, I just uh, I'd gotten back from Scotland, and I had like a Sunday off, uh, and I um, arranged to um, fly fish with a buddy of mine. Left li- 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 fly fishing. He's an ER doc in E.R. Dock in Vale, which is one mountain town over sure um and we had this epic day of fishing uh um, mohawk lakes is um just below the continental divide um just that way from my house um so we're fishing and the whole day he was complaining about medicine and how bad it sucked and how uh, you know ungrateful the world was you know blah 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 and i i uh had just gotten back and i was on cloud nine and i was like oh dude well i drank whiskey here and i smuggled three <laughs> bottles of this in and you know <laughs> um, I watched these guys make barrels for three hours and I ate shortbread cookies with the distiller at Balveny and, you know, um, and just sort, you know, we're standing in the water the whole day and the water in Breckenridge is like incredible. It's some of the best tasting water you'll ever find. And, mm-hmm. um, I was wrapping up this day of fishing and we're hiking down the trail and I was just like, Holy shit. Uh, the light went off, you know, and I'm walking down and I'm, I'm having pleasant thoughts and then i'm listening to my buddy and i'm like well you know he's, he's kind of right I, i'm just going to work myself to death and then one day you know after i die my kids will get my pension and that's going to be my you know my life story and um and i'm like but gosh i really love whiskey and i wonder could you just put a little distillery up here you know in this mountain town and turn this incredible water into the kind of whiskey that um that i would like to drink and that was 2007. Mm-hmm um Mm -hmm. and you know so it was kind of a crazy you know idea that was kind of out there and um but i really like whiskey so i i kind of looked i looked into it a little more and um now instead of reading um books about like uh i you know i I, like fun and entertaining books about whiskey i started reading books about how to make whiskey and (laughs) um then i went and took um really the only decent distillation course you could take in the U S at that time, it was out in Petaluma, um, by the ADI and took the distillation course. And, um, you know, with the science background, I'm like, okay, I, I can figure this out, you know, and mm-hmm. I definitely had the palate for whiskey and knew what I liked. Um, so, you know, it just, um, kind of started there and it, it took me about a year. Um, and I was gone, you know, I, I during that year, I'm like, okay, I think I can, cash flow this, which is all I wanted to do. I just wanted to do this little distillery, sell bottles out the door, which you're allowed to do in Colorado um, and oh, not nice. go broke. And uh, my wife let me do it. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, that was like the biggest obstacle, honestly, was to, you know, get her permission. Um, sure. And we're still married somehow. So, uh, you know, worked <laughs> out. Um, but that, that's how it started, you know. And so we started making whiskey 2008 and then um, opened to the public in 2011 and um you know we started just making malt whiskey because that's that's what i love um but mm-hmm. i also really like rye whiskey and uh my distiller mm-hmm. at the time guy brought in uh, a really talented distiller named jordan Vi, um <laughs> talked me into doing bourbon he's like let's make bourbon and i'm like yeah you know I'm, you know i'd rather just make you know malt whiskey he's like but you love rye i'm like yeah and he's like well, let's make high rye bourbon and uh-huh. i'm like okay that's yeah let's do it you know and um <laughs> At at that time, you know, nobody even really knew what a distillery was, at least most people, you know, in America. And when I, um, you know, I I put up the money and got going and then I brought in some friends and family. And uh, when I was telling them what I was doing, they were like, "Okay, so you're going to open a brewery. And I'm like, no, that's not what I said. (laughs) It's a distillery they're like, okay, so you're making beer. And I'm like, okay, well, technically you make beer and then you turn yeah. and then
2: beer. Yes. <laughs> so, uh,
3: you're part, right. But you know, back then, uh, you know, people didn't know what a distillery was, it wasn't the cool thing to do. And, um, um, you know, so, uh, we, we did the bourbon and, um, you know, we started putting the bourbon in the really challenging competitions, like, uh, international wine spirits. Mm-hmm. um you know they give out three gold medals a year that's it it's not like everyone gets a participation trophy <laughs> and um it, in like uh I think it was the first year we went in I think it was 2011. we got one of the three golds you know for bourbon mm-hmm. and um so that that put us on the map and uh, people started paying attention and kind of seeking us out and and you know uh from there it metamorphosized you know uh from just being my my little salvation to be in a real business that I had to manage and decide if I really wanted to, you know, h- how serious was, was I about this business? Right. And how committed <laughs> and how much risk did I want to take? Um, but you know, it, it all made sense to me and, and I saw a lot of upside. So, you know, so I kind of went for it and, uh, fortunately it paid off. You know, there's, yeah yes I don't know how many DSPs there are in the U S right now, but you know, there's thousands, uh, it's, you know, two or 3000 and, um, you know the majority don't do a lot of business um and it's really hard to get distribution that whole system mm-hmm. is so challenging to break into and you know you're you're not competing against your peers in the craft distilling space you're competing against beam centauri diageo Pernod ricard you know i mean
2: mm-hmm. and
3: they have so much dry powder uh, you know they have um incredible infrastructure, years and years and years, decades of experience. They know how to do it. They're all super talented. And so, you know, I, I think um, I would probably have about as good of a chance as being the starting quarterback for the Broncos next year (laughs) as, as I did to, you know, to end up where we ended up, you know, it was, I'm Mm -hmm. sure it it was a great idea. And it was a ton of hard work and, and all those things, but um, you know, there's just a lot of, just serendipity and divine intervention. And, you know, some things are just meant to be. And, um, that's, I, that's my only explanation for how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool.
1: So when you're making that decision from, you're gonna leave your practice and start this up, what were some of the most challenging things to get that started? Like, yeah, well,
3: to... I, I never left my practice. So, uh, that that okay. was the, the one thing is I was working full-time in medicine still and mm-hmm. still, and doing the distillery. And, you know, in the early years, you know, we had one or two employees and as we started um, doing distribution and stuff like that, you know, I would go to all these markets and launch, you know, have the GSMs, the sales meetings with the wholesalers, um, you know, be out of town for two or three days and, um, you know, just go to every single account that they could get me into and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, try to get our product in front of people and, you know, did it one bottle at a time. But the, the hardest, (laughs) you know, it's like some of the hardest things never change. And I still feel like, um, the hardest thing is still honestly, HR, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have, we have like 135 employees now, you know, so we're, Mm -hmm. we're, we're pretty good size, Mm -hmm. but even when we were small, it's, I mean, it's the HR issues that, you know, uh, that are brutal. Um, the other, yeah. other things, you know, things that people will, you know, probably better identify with is, um, it's capital intensive. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, most people, when they get into a distillery, particularly if you're doing a whiskey, really underestimate that. So, I mean, you've got to, you've got to lay down all this whiskey and it it costs a ton of money to do that. And then you tie this inventory up, you know, for at least four or five years, you know, and it's like our malt whiskeys, you know, nowadays, we don't release them until they're like 10 or 12 years old. And so, you know, that, that capital has been tied up for, for a decade and every people just run out of dry powder. And and I, I think, you know, that's, that's, um, that's a huge challenge. Um, again, the system, you know, the three tier system and how distribution works is, I mean, it's just brutal. If you're a supplier, if you're a manufacturer, okay. um, just breaking through and getting a distributor to not just help you, but you know, to get out of their own way, you know, I mean, I just, yeah. you know, for, for so many, so many years, it, it, you know, you or your salespeople you know you, you get something sold in and then the distributor like wouldn't even bother to drop it off and so you lose the account that you just you know put blood sweat and tears into and so <laughs> when you're little i mean it's, it's all just human nature right and and you know i'm not saying distributors are bad because they're not our our distributors great but um but when you're little man it's tough and and so you have to figure out um it, it really comes down to getting yourself a stick and beating the distributor with it. And it's, if, if you have a little tiny stick, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. So you have to, you have to parlay little things into bigger things and keep getting your stick bigger, you know, to start (laughs) beating the distributor with. Um, So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, those are challenges. Um, and then, you know, transitioning to from running like a mom from being a mom and pop operation to running mm-hmm. more like a publicly traded company and having good discipline and metrics and things like that. Uh, you know, that, that's super hard to master. Um, and, you know, I, I think if 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 you're going to do it, you, you just have to be so committed that there's yeah. nothing that you're not willing to do legally, you know, and. Um, so for me it was just a lot of a lot of um
0: not sleeping for for (laughs) (laughs) all right we got to interrupt brian one more time i promise this is the last time but miranda why don't you tell people where they can uh, get some some betting advice or bet a little bit smarter
1: absolutely You can do that over on hall of fame bets, win bigger by betting smarter. This NBA season with hall of fame bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines research, every NBA and soccer bet with historical stats and data enter any parlay idea into hall of fame bets, revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value.
0: Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SUPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. Now back to Brian Nolte. A Breckenridge Distillery.
3: One thing I thought of that's uh, kind of neat to talk about um, mm-hmm. that's sort of u- unique to us is, you know, I, I sold the company to Tilray um, uh, a little over two years ago, and mm-hmm. um, you know, when we got going, uh, the people recognized that we had a good thing that that might have potential. And I, I know this because they all tried to buy me, you know, and uh, the the number of companies that wanted to to buy us e- even early on um, was, was extensive. Um, and I just, I was never interested in selling the company. Um, mm-hmm. and then what starts to happen, or at least what, what started to happen to me was, um, um, I had a unique set of challenges because of my investor group. So it was, like I said, it was, uh, it was friends and family. And, um, some of the people that were my early investors, um i worked there like in my medical practice and so you know mm-hmm. these these guys were you know they didn't really it was not no huge deal to them it was just kind of a cool thing to do and mm-hmm. you know they they didn't take it all you know overly seriously and then i had some guys you know that i uh, still to this day are great friends and i love to death that didn't have a lot of money but really wanted in and mm-hmm. so they they put in as much as they could and granted, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was a small amount, but to them it was a large amount. And, um, as the business starts growing and you need to raise capital, like, which is going to happen in any business. Um, normally what you would do is you would do a capital call and you would say, Hey guys, we need a million bucks or 500,000 bucks. So your, your percent is what you have to pony up in cash. And I had, you know, these guys that didn't have any money. So typically, what would happen is everyone else would put in the cash, and then they would get diluted. I mean, that's sort of the standard model for how this would yeah. work. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: I, I just I didn't have the heart to dilute these guys, so I kept just killing myself by um, making you know making loans to the company at zero percent, so that we didn't have to cap call. Um, going and getting a loan, which you know no bank would lend on the business, so I had to personally guarantee it. So if the shit hit the fan or you know some class action attorney lands some weird ass haymaker on you, you know, and you go bankrupt, it's, it's just me, right? So I, you know, I PG PG it all. Um and um I didn't you know, I didn't even think twice about it. And then as the company kept going and going and going and getting bigger, some of these distilleries started to sell you know, like um, High West sold and Angel's mm-hmm. Envy sold and even, you know, Saint Germain sold. And um, these guys, you know, they're paying attention and they're like, hey, what's the distillery worth today? What's the distillery worth today? And I'm like, stop, you know, and but they're <laughs> like, well, High West sold for one hundred seventy five million dollars. And, you know, I, we're not you know doing much less than them. Um, and so people start spending the money and yeah. um, and their wives start spending the money. you know, that they don't have. And honestly, that's what changed my mind about it. Um, which is, you know, which I've never heard anyone, uh, you know, say that before on starting a business and selling it. Um, but honestly, that's why I did it, um, was because I, I didn't want to let them down, you know, and, um, and I knew valuations were peaking, so, you know, it was a, it was a good time to look. And I, I honestly, I didn't look, but I listened. So when people mm-hmm. came with offers, I would talk to them. So, and, and that's just, that's how it went down. Nice.
1: Um, I want to backtrack a little cause your story from how you decided to just go for it when you're out there fishing and, um, the, the water, (laughs) I wanted to ask about the water. So how do you feel that that mountain water changes the whiskey, um, and makes your whiskey different than other whiskeys out there? Because nobody else has that specific Colorado mountain water, the Breckenridge water.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a, it's massive. And you know, it's, Mm -hmm. um, talking about water, I think for most people would be a marketing gimmick. Um, but I, I can tell you when you talk about, um, You know bourbon in Kentucky, like Mm -hmm. the water is makes it excellent. You know because the Mm -hmm. water is really hard; it doesn't have sulfur, it doesn't have iron, and um, you know I I think a lot of those whiskeys wouldn't be nearly as good if they were made almost anywhere else because most places don't have the magic magic water. Um, The Mm -hmm. water up here is really actually similar to to that water, um, except it's even harder Um, and that's a good thing because um, as long as you have the right minerals in there, if if you think about it, you know, minerals are salts and Mm -hmm. salts are flavor enhancers. Um, And so good water makes everything taste better. And it also gives you a great mouthfeel. And Mm -hmm. that's a signature um, signature piece of any product we put out is the mouthfeel has to be perfect. And then it's got to transition into a great finish. If it doesn't, then we're not going to release it, but it's a, it's an incredibly unfair advantage. And, you know, I, I knew the water was great, but um, I didn't realize just how great it was until um, I started working on vodka. So, um, you know, if you think about vodka, it's 80 proof. So it's 40% ethanol and there's no congeners in it. So there's nothing else in it except for ethanol and water. Right. Mm -hmm. So 60% of your bottle is water so that's the majority of it so your water is like super important okay mm-hmm. um so we started um with the plan to start selling some vodka early on um because it generates revenue and mm-hmm. um so the guy i was working with on our mash bills and this is before we had our still going or anything you know we were trying to figure out everything and um so they were um they were making vodka for me and they were um they helped me find neutral grain spirit which is made you know on industrial stills all over the place and so you know i just started trying all these different vodkas you know I'm, I'm trying to learn and get a game plan together um and so if you, if you get neutral grain spirit it, it's 192 proof and then you proof it down to 80. so i started mm-hmm. tinkering around and trying to figure out what we're going to do and proofing things down with different water so, um, I really focused on water. So mm-hmm. I got water from all over the state, tried it, you know, Denver water, Springs water, Pueblo water, Western slope water, Breckenridge water, Vail water, um, water that's run through a uh, Brita water. That was, um, you know, deionized, distilled water, uh, bottled water. So, you know, I started doing, uh, you know, really controlled experiments where you try all this different water. And, um, I was just blown away by how incredible, if you took the tap water from Breckenridge, ran it through a Brita, which basically just took the, um, chlorine out. Mm -hmm. What, I mean, it was just, it was astounding how, how much better it was than any other way I did it. And, um, and then once I sort of figured out a game plan for how we were going to make what kind of distillate we were going to use on vodka then, then I, you know, would bring friends over, you know, 5, 10, 15, and the blind taste them. And every single time it was unanimous. It was always the one with the Breckenridge water. So that's, I realized like that, like, holy shit. You know, I've like really yeah. st- stumbled onto something here. And, <laughs> yes. um, you know, yeah. And, and I mean, what happens is if if you don't have great water, you can still use it. It's just you have to strip it completely down. Right. And mm-hmm. then you have to build it back up and uh, mm-hmm. so you have to add minerals to it if you can't get mouth fill, you, uh, you know people will add glycerin and things like that and i'm not knocking that because um, you, you do what you mm-hmm. got to do but um, it's just a hell of a lot easier if you can just you know take it off the tap and remove the chlorine and mm-hmm, so yeah. it, it, and it's just a it's an incredible unfair advantage um you know particularly on the proofing side so from the you know mashing and distillation obviously it's super important but proofing you know when 60 percent is just the water
0: big deal big deal yeah, yeah. for yes. sure interesting
1: mm-hmm. another thing so aside from the water you guys are also the highest distillery in terms of elevation in the world is that correct Did i have that right kind well of like-
3: i mean there's um there's different uh, translations or meanings to the word highest um, and, uh, so at, at, the time Colorado and, uh, or Breckenridge, you know, was decriminalizing marijuana. And so it was just <laughs> kind of funny that it was kind of a play on words, but we yes. are, we are at, at 9,600 feet. Yeah. And, so um, like the
1: to- the tallest yeah. <laughs> in, um, in
3: In terms of elevation, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it's hard to keep up. I, I assume we are, but I don't mm-hmm. know. There might be one somewhere. And there's been little ones that have popped up even in Colorado, uh, there was one in leadville which is a little higher than here uh oh, okay. it, it 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 didn't make it unfortunately but um so yeah, i mean you never know and uh, mm-hmm. i'm definitely not going to um you know spend time and energy seeing if there's someone in That's peru right. Uh, but I don't, you know, it's like we're the hot, we're the tallest, or or damn near the tallest, but mm-hmm. we're definitely the highest.
1: <laughs> so, um, how do you think that elevation affects your, this, like, how does that affect the distilling process or even your aging process? Does it have yeah. an impact?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, again, we, you know, I figured out our mash bills and how we were going to make whiskey and vodka and everything else um, mm-hmm. at sea level in California. And so, um, when we f- fired up, uh, the still here the first time, um, so we started with this 500 gallon pot still and, um, you know, uh, so we kick it on and, you know, we know that, uh, the heads are going to start coming over and, you know, whatever, you know, 20 minutes and, um, but you know, they're come, they're coming over like immediately and we're like, <laughs> something's wrong, you know, like, what's going on? well, let's just. you know uh, that's methanol and you know okay well let's let's see what happens you know so um you know the boiling point is um is lower here right so there's Mm -hmm. less you're up high so there's less atmosphere pushing down so the atmospheric pressure is less and so that makes it easier for um liquid to turn in to gas right so Mm -hmm. it makes it easier for the liquid to get up and escape the gas so as you heat it um at a lower temperature everything starts coming over right and that's why the you know the boiling points are are different and so you know if you're cooking or boiling water or whatever every, everything's different up here but it is it's really astounding um <laughs> uh what effect that has during distillation um the other thing that's kind of unique is um so at you know you heat it up and you, you turn the liquid into the gas and the gas goes up And then it goes over to the condenser. And so the gas is flowing. And then the condenser has a warm tube in it with cold water running through and Mm -hmm. that cools it off. And so it turns back into liquid and it falls down and you collect it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The water here is so cold that um, it's nice because you run the water at a low rate. That was the other thing that was kind of weird. So we had the water, you know, the condenser water cranked and um, like we did in California and um you know everything's going fine and we just you know keep titrating it down 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 and then you get it to like where you're running it at like five percent of what you're used to because the water is so cold that you just need to use less of it so um you know that that was another advantage that we didn't think of and then mm-hmm. um but it's not all good Right. So um, this is a tough this is a tough place. You know, Brecken. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're, you know, 10,000 feet. It's really dry here. We get three hundred and fifty inches of snow a year. Uh, everything's got to go through the I-70 corridor. So you can imagine that logistically things can get difficult. You can't like store stuff outside because it'll just get destroyed. And I mean, we have bears at the distillery, you know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, it, it, everything there is, is more challenging. Um, the dryness though, when you're aging, you, you I mean, you will mm-hmm. get like the angel share is not 10% up here. If you don't do some humidity control, it, it's much more than that. So uh-huh. you've got to be real careful. You've got to be real careful with your barrels. Um, and barrels do seem to age a little quicker up here um, though. I've noticed, and I think, I don't know, but you know, theoretically it's because the, pressure, high pressure, low pressure, high pressure, mm-hmm. low pressure. Yeah. It's, you know, forcing in and out, in and out. And, um, I, I think that, that maybe helps a, a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. Um, one of the things that stands out at the distillery now, we haven't been there personally. We, mm-hmm. we need to make it there. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. haven't been to Breckenridge. I was when I was a child, so I need to go as an adult sometime. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, one of the things that i when i was seeing photos and everything that stands out uh from the barrels to some of the bottles um and kind of all over the distillery is art there's there's yeah, a lot sure. of artisticness um can you talk about like what went behind deciding that you wanted to have a kind of a focus on art
3: you know i, I never really thought about it i, I just did it because i mean I, I i love art and i love design and i love flavor and like to me that's that's all the same and um i i'm a super sniffer super taster so um and i i didn't realize it and i think until i was a doctor i just thought everyone could smell and taste like i did but um if you're a super sniffer being in medicine is like extra challenging because you smell everything, right? <laughs> there are a lot of unpleasant smells um, in <laughs> in medicine. But I I think, but I I've, I've always like really appreciated smell and taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know, those senses get activated, and um, you get pleasure from them. And so for me, like the you know visual arts, you know music um All of it—it's—it's it's always just been huge to me, um, and so you know, I just—you know, I, I collect art, and I, I, you know, I play music and um, love music, and you know, everything else. So I—it just—it just went naturally, you know. It just made sense mm-hmm. to me, and um, I, I honestly I didn't even think about it until one day I like was like, oh okay, you know, I should actually like kind of like tidy this up a little bit and make it, <laughs> you know, make, make it make the art presentable.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. Very cool.
3: And the art partnerships too. It's, you know, we do a collector's art series, um, a, a special release each year. We partner uh, up until now it's been mostly local artists and um, we mostly do graffiti artists. Cause I love graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll work with an artist and we'll, we'll um, they'll design a label for us and then they'll replicate the label like either on a barrel wall or a wall somewhere, or, you know, as part of an art project and, uh, we, we just collaborate um and That's we really do cool. that every year um yeah so this will be our fourth year um coming up um, of doing that so love, love cool.
0: yeah for sure <laughs> um so you guys have you have a huge selection of offerings i mean you have whiskey <laughs> <Yeah>. different whiskeys <laughs> and different finishes um but in by the way the the bottle of uh dark arts i think it was looks amazing yeah. um you have vodka gin rum and there's even some alcoholic sparkling waters or seltzers. What's your personal favorite? Is it still the single malt? Do you, have you switched to kind of the high rye or?
3: Yeah. I, my favorite thing to drink right now is a product that we're almost sold out of. It's called two clans. And, um, okay. it is, uh, so to talk about two clans, you have to talk about dark arts. So dark arts is what I really wanted to make. It's our malt whiskey. It's American single malt. Um, And, you know, it's, it's a kind of a cult whiskey. Um, It's, you know, when we release it, it's 10 to 12 years old. It comes in a, you know, beautiful decanter in a box. Mm -hmm. It's 375 bucks a bottle. It's always sold out and allocated. And it's this massive whiskey. There's a dragon on the label so that you know what's coming at you, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's um, all these specialty malts. Um, The malts are pushed so far that they don't want to yield a lot of ethanol. So it's super difficult and expensive to make but the dark arts is, I call it a Ferrari monster truck is what it is. And, um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, dark arts is like, you want one glass of it, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like mescal. I'm not, it's not smoky, like mescal, but you know, it's like mescal, like, it's like one mescal and you're, you're good. Sure. Um, so um, I wanted to do um, halos around that and offshoots sort of, Anticipating that Americans were gonna um, start drinking scotch more, and um, it's slowly coming to fruition. But um, the two clans is dark arts blended actually with scotch, and so it took okay. me about a decade to find the right scotches to all put together to that married with with dark arts to get what I wanted. And it it makes if you like scotch, it it is a product that you would expect right uh, the, mm-hmm. the dark arts is more like it's crazy right so it, it's not if you are thinking scotch that's not what you're going to get on the dark dark mm-hmm. arts i mean it's there but it's it's massive so um the two clans is man it's just it's perfectly balanced um and that's my favorite thing to drink i could sell it for three 300 bucks a bottle probably but we sell it for 80. And the reason is because i just want people to be able to try it and Mm -hmm. um and love it and and it's like it's our number two selling product right now and we only sell it out of the distillery and it's but it's limited time and it's almost gone and i like i almost cried yesterday when i saw how much the little bit of inventory that we had left because i'm going to miss that one the good news is that is we're replacing it with um with some additional product that we Will, will be, um, very similar, but I wanted to do more. So mm-hmm. the two clans is one and done. So we'll have one that's a little more malty one. That's a little more Scotchy one. That's a little more smoky one. That's a little more peaty. And, you know, so we're going to basically turn one product into four di- three or four different ones, but, okay. um, cool. it's, um, what ah, I'm going to miss that one.
1: <laughs> and you can only get it at the distillery. Yeah,
3: yeah. Okay. And I mean, I, and I, I, we literally have weeks of inventory left until it's gone. Guess we better plan a, a trip quickly. <laughs> we, <laughs>
1: next week, we're coming yeah. out there. To well, get we,
3: could, it. <laughs> we, we could probably uh, smuggle a bottle for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is your number one selling? You said that's your number two. What's your number one selling?
3: Yeah, so that's the number two seller at the distillery. Number one everywhere is just our 86 proof bourbon. And, mm. you know, that's, I mean, it's 42 bucks a bottle. It's 96 points, right? Pappy mm-hmm. 23 got 95. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, this this is an incredible bourbon for the price. And mm-hmm. it's bourbon the way I like to drink bourbon. So, I don't like sweet bourbon and, and I'm, I don't get super um, excited about weeded bourbons. So I like bigger bourbons. So, you know, our ours is high rye so Mm -hmm. um it's up to 38 percent rye in the mash bill and i like rye whiskey so you know it's it's a it's a great bourbon with a great mouth feel and a great long finish and the wood character is mature and um you know no angular young oak nothing forced Mm -hmm. uh we we don't do any shortcuts you know it's always 53 gallon barrels we don't put them in a hot tin shed or use a little Mm -hmm. barrel or add wood adjunct or things like that right so It's, it's just, it's done right. And for the price, I mean, I don't think you can touch it. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool.
1: We, we ask everybody on our show this, so we're going to put you on the spot here. What is your favorite non Breckenridge whiskey?
3: Well, I mean, it's easy for me because it's
0: scotch.
1: Scotch.
3: uh, Yeah. And, um, the, my favorite scotches are ones that, um, I've found that you can't get anymore. Right. So that's like totally cheating on the question. <laughs> but, you know, like uh, these crazy, you know, 35, 40 year old ex sherry hog, hog head, uh, you know, <clears throat> scotch whiskeys that I have. But for scotches that you can buy, I really love the Highland Park series and um, Highland Park 18 and up are some of my favorites. Okay. Um, You know to drink and then um on american whiskeys if i if i'm drinking american whiskey and it's not mine i'm drinking rittenhouse rye uh i i just that's my style of rye i love that one and it's you know it's not expensive and um Mm -hmm. but i also love you know of course you can't love scotch and not love japanese whiskey but the problem is the um you can't get any of the good japanese whiskeys right now they're just you know people found out about them and uh you know and now they're all gone and you know I, like in this industry you make friends with everybody and uh you know um i'm friends with greg hughes he's he's the ceo of beam centauri and if we get together and drink we can't even get a good japanese whiskey to drink because he can't even get them like that's how you know i mean there it's just it's clamped down so yeah. anything you get you know is, is mediocre japanese whiskey right now and unfortunately because i'm not a hoarder i like <laughs> all my good japanese whiskey has been drunk and um i have been having i'm just waiting till it comes back so, and it, it'll be back i mean it'll be three thousand dollars a bottle but yeah it'll be back.
1: <laughs> and i have to ask you because i was just curious do you still have any of that twenty thousand dollar bottle left Is it gone? Uh, no,
3: (laughs) no. Um, some of those like really expensive bottles I have, um, I kept the empty just as a reminder. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I, I think like palate training is so important. So, um, and you know, we have a big distillation team, um, and we've always like tried to develop the talent and, you know, distillation is easy to teach but you know blending nosing tasting that's a lot harder to teach yeah so we've spent a lot of time and energy in making sure that our staff are well you know well trained and i honestly I haven't really i haven't done a tasting with our distillation team and it's it's almost been a year which is um which is nice because normally we well our cruise has been here a while but normally we've got more people coming in and we want to keep training pallets and you know i I can't like do a whiskey tasting with you without giving you like all the good shit right so i mean (laughs) so all those bottles like when i mean i've drank them with my distillation team um so and, and they're wiped out um so you know i I do have amazing bottles of whiskey still, but
0: none, none, none of those original ones left. <laughs> That's funny. Um, while we have you, do you mind walking us through some tasting? You guys were kind enough to send us some some awesome mm-hmm. bottles here, and we've been excited to I open know. them, but we always wait. Always all wait. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you like to start with? Just the, the bourbon?
3: Yeah, what all do you have? I see you've got an orange Broncos blend. You've got 86 Proof.
0: We've got the High Proof and then the PX Sherry.
3: Ooh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we should start with, um, probably just start with the 86 proof. Oh, this is totally unfair to you guys because, uh, this, um, bottle is probably from about, I'm going to say 2012 or 2013. So no. my what I have on this one, uh, is going to be a little different than yours, because we, we slowly started transitioning just, you know, a little bit um, the, the profile over the years, you don't mm-hmm. want to move quickly. You want to move slowly. And um, yeah. one nice thing about, about our situation is being a destination distillery, you know, the number of people that come through our, our two tasting rooms and our restaurant and bar is, you know, about 500,000 people a year. So we get yeah. to really, I mean, we live kind of live a focus group, and mm-hmm. so, as you listen to people um, and see where their palates are and what clicks for them, you know, you, I, I always try to tailor it to what people want. So mm-hmm. um, that's cool. So what I have here is got is a little different than than yours, but um, but you know, so uh, the, the thing you'll notice, um, you know, off of this whiskey on the nose is, and I, sorry, I'm apologizing because I do this, and I, oh, I know okay. I'm breaking all the rules and i don't want to teach i don't want to teach people my bad habits this isn't wine you're not supposed to swirl it. but i have to because
1: i always end up swirling. we're
0: not we're not uh hoity-toity here so i I
3: just don't want to teach people the wrong way you know and um (laughs) so you you know you're supposed to you know bring it at your chest and rock it smell it then bring it up and then do the drive-by and then you can stick your nose in it uh, but don't swirl and we swirl because we're we taste every single barrel of whiskey we have and you know we blend 20 to 40 barrels at a time almost every day and um we have to taste them because there's a certain amount of each little slight difference in flavor profile you want to have in combination to have a consistent blend because we're not Mm -hmm. jack daniels we're not dumping 3,000 barrels a day or whatever it is right so um it doesn't all come out in the wash like we have to be really careful and we're so we're constantly tasting and blending and proofing And, um, like, I don't, you're not supposed to swirl because it brings the ethanol up and it mutes Mm -hmm. everything you're supposed to be smelling. Um, but I don't even notice the ethanol anymore, which may Mm -hmm. may be a bad thing. I don't know. But, um, (laughs) as a doctor, I would say it's probably not a great thing, but, um, it's a job hazard. So, um, anyway, (laughs) that's what I do. But, um, I mean, so you'll notice, um, you know, obviously, you know, big bourbon nose and, um, Mm -hmm. we try to split hairs over, um what do you smell in bourbon but mostly with bourbon and i'll tell you as a super sniffer bourbon smells like bourbon you know what i mean yeah. i mean the, the, just that just yeah. bourbon, that bourbon note it, no, i mean it good. is what it is and, and it's a combination of things that you try to dissect out but you'll notice you know that um if you, if you drink a lot of bourbon you'll, you'll be like okay this is probably not a weeded bourbon okay mm-hmm. so um what you're going to smell is you're, you're going to smell the rye and so mm-hmm. the rye is coming through as like some spicy notes and then you're going to get mature wood and then you get the things, you know, that you're accustomed to in almost every bourbon, right? You've got, you know, brown sugar and, you know, mm-hmm. some vanilla. And, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, it's the classic bourbon profile, but um smells, smells a little more spicy, a little more rye-forward, and most importantly, not angular on the oak. So not young oak, but mature oak. Mm-hmm and and this one that we used to really like punch the rye through so um this the one i have today is even definitely more rye forward than the one you have yeah and then you know mouthfeel again super important it it can't be flat like it's got to be alive on your palate yeah and then and then from there it's like you, you decide how hot do you want this to be and mm-hmm. um it, you you can make it as smooth as you want um, but um, you know we we want the whiskey character to be there so yeah. we we try to balance out just you know the the creamy mouthfeel with enough heat that you know you recognize it as bourbon mm-hmm. um, and then i love a spicy finish and i love a long finish and you know the, those are signature those are signature things we strive for if if mm-hmm. If we don't have that then it's a failure for us because that, that's yes. super important you know I, I want a big big finish and i want it to be you know nice and but yeah long.
1: yes no this is good and i can the, definitely tell it's high rye bourbon which yeah. is my type of bourbon yeah. i yep, i love rye, rye <laughs> yes. um
0: the mouth feel is it's perfect mm-hmm. too um it's not it's not a thin it's not overly um uh th- overly thick mouth feel it's like just the perfect uh consistency yeah
3: Yeah. And, you know, for this, this is right where we want this product to be. And Mm -hmm. it's great that you have the 105 because, you know, Mm -hmm. so I feel like there are niches you have to fill with your products or that you should figure out how to fill. And so for us, like, this is what, you know, almost everyone should be drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And then from there, there's a reason why for every other product that we have, you know, which, which, uh, which we can get into, but. Um, this is 86 proof it's 86 Mm -hmm. because that's where it has to be for the American palate um, right now. Um, when, um, if you go less than 86, um, you really start to notice a thinness. Mm Um, I mean, immediately, like shockingly quickly, by, I mean, by the time you're at 84, it's like, you're like, Whoa, that that's a big (laughs) change. And then as you go up it i mean i feel like it gets better till you get to about 92 and then it starts getting kind of hot until you get to 105 and magically at 105 just you know for our mash bill the way it works um at 105 magic happens and so 105 is where i that's my favorite proof to drink it at but for the average american consumer you can't just put 105 proof bourbon out there and plus your um you know the government um really takes it out of your hide on excise taxes so um mm-hmm. the higher the proof the more the excise tax so you've got to keep cranking the bottle cost up so interesting that's why the 105 costs more than
0: the 86
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i um just to touch on what you said about you know you can make it as smooth as you want i feel like when we when we originally started drinking whiskey it was like we sought out the smooth ones and it was almost we look back now and it's like we didn't even know what we were talking about because it's like, oh yeah, that's really smooth, but with smoothness sometimes I feel like you lose flavor and you lose something standing out um so I you know this the spiciness just it st- stays around just in the mouth it's not like it mm-hmm. sp- spices down or anything um. Yeah, it's very good.
1: It was very good. No,
0: and
3: that you're absolutely correct. Um, and I mean, that's the natural progression, you know, Mm -hmm. as you, um, learn to drink, I guess, you know, um, (laughs) it's like you want to start with things that are more approachable and Mm -hmm. that's why, you know, the best selling volume products in the U S are, you know, really approachable Mm whiskeys and, um, you know, they're nice, easy to drink. Um, they taste good. They're not super complex. But then you, you know, if you, if you take interest in it or start paying attention, then you figure out that there's maybe more out there. And so, Mm -hmm. and as you try, you know, bigger whiskeys, they, they get better. Right. And, um, American palate, you know, is, is also not, it's not finite or fixed, like it's evolving too. And, um, You know, just when you think you know what you're doing, then a new generation of legal drinking age people uh, reach critical mass as consumers and they want something totally different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, right now in the industry, it's um, honestly, people are struggling a little bit to figure out what the, you know, the 21 to 25 year olds, what are they actually, what are they into? Um, Because it's very, very different than even the millennials. The millennial generation was pretty easy to figure out, um, I felt like. But uh, the, uh, the Zoomers or the post um, <laughs> post-millennial generation, if you just kind of pay attention to the industry, you'll, you'll see people are struggling to figure out what they want to drink. Interesting.
1: I've not thought about it like that before. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean,
3: unfortunately, I have to think about it that way. Right. Cause, yeah. I, but I, I, love, <laughs> I really do love the business side of it. I mean, I love the whiskey, but um, the, the business side is, is so much fun. Um,
0: mm-hmm. and, uh, especially when you win, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I guess I never, I mean, as far as the business part of it goes, I never thought about it as a moving target. You would think that you, you find, Hey, this is really good. We really like this and people like it, but people do evolve, people change. And then, like you said, mm-hmm. you have a new age group that's entering and I, I never thought about it that, mm-hmm. that way. That's yeah. Really I mean, Think about
3: like craft beer and wine right now, right? So, you know, Mm -hmm. craft beer, I mean, when uh, spirits started rising and bourbon started rising, you know, the craft beer movement was just, it was exponential and it was the coolest thing ever. And it was, you know, growing, you know, the volume was doubling year over year. And now, all of a sudden, a, AB InBev had to go buy all the breweries and, you know, so, so did Molson Coors and, you know, uh, um, right. Because it was like mm-hmm. they had FOMO and um, they, you yeah. know, they were getting their ass kicked by uh, by craft beer. And now, you know, craft beer has been contracting for years and um, it's kind of lost its soul in a way. And, um, you know, what's next for craft beer? Uh, you know i nobody knows but if if you see what consumers are drinking it's you know i mean they're drinking um they're going kind of back to lighter beers like session beers and you know like pilsner and lager style like the juicy ipas are doing well but you know everything else is kind of struggling and then if you look at wine uh like the current the, the zoomer generation right now is they're killing the wine industry i don't know if you guys pay attention to that or not but wine is just in massive, massive decline. And um, it's there's major panic, you know, in the industry because of that. So h- how do you get those um, consumers back? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, but thank God, I, have, you know, I don't have a winery. So I don't have to worry, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, we'll
0: worry about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh. All right. Should
1: we, what would you like us to move to next?
0: Well, I
3: mean, you might as well just go to the 105 because that way you get apples to apples. Yeah and you know now you get to see it at w- what i consider it's you know it's just uh it's perfect perfect proof um and so you would think that at 105 it would drink hotter than the 86
2: mm-hmm.
3: but it, it honestly doesn't um i just i find like i actually find it easier to drink at 105. um i i feel like the mouth feels better the, the flavors all come okay. up um and everything concentrates but except the heat like um Mm -hmm. to to me um it doesn't drink hotter than the 86 it actually drinks a little easier which is crazy Mm -hmm. but at 104 and at 106 that's not the case it's hot it's hot at 104 it's hot at 106 but at 105 it's that's my favorite way to drink it
0: wow that is interesting Mm -hmm. that it's you you you're right. You would think that would punch you a little bit more, but it it, it's kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The 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 eighty six is good, <clears throat> but I I like this one. Mm-hmm. Better. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely.
3: This is this is the yeah. I mean, you know, this is the way I like to drink it. So it's you know, it's fine. Yeah. but I'm I'm also not a rookie you know bourbon drinker either. So you know, I know <laughs> sure. what I want, and and that's that's what I want. Mm-hmm. sure this
1: feels like there's a lot more <laughs> yeah like yeah. the 80s is really good but then trying comparing it with mm-hmm. this right after this is
0: and we always mm-hmm. uh let our listeners know too that um both of these uh, we haven't had them in an old fashion yet but they definitely have the uh the consistency that they'll stand out in the old-fashioned i imagine
3: yeah definitely mm-hmm. and you know for for me an old-fashioned it, it needs to be if it's bourbon it needs to be rye forward right mm-hmm. so the more mm-hmm. rye, the better yeah and I, I like my old fashions dry too, you know, mm-hmm. my favorite cocktail is like two, two fingers of bourbon. And then you put like one more finger on top and that's like my favorite cocktail.
2: <laughs> I this like is that.
0: Very, yeah. This is very good. It's yeah. It's really interesting to me how the 86 almost feels like it's got more of that spice and heat to it than this does. Cause yeah, you wouldn't think that mm-hmm. being higher proof. You wouldn't. Yeah, it's, it, I
3: think it's just like the viscosity and how it, there's like a magic, I don't know, we're going to have to f- figure out a word for this coefficient. There's a special <laughs> coefficient uh-huh. uh, yeah. of viscosity that comes together at, at that proof.
1: <clears throat> it's good. Mm-hmm. I like this.
0: You like this one better too?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I haven't tried the 105 before. I know because we've tried at some point.
0: we We have have had yeah the 86 Mm -hmm. at some point yeah
1: yes this is really this is good
0: yeah very good Mm -hmm. so we got broncos and px sherry left which which um probably do the px
1: okay px
3: yeah and um so that's very good I I love the the thought of cask finishing and, you know, Mm -hmm. um, part of it comes from just being a scotch guy, right? So um, Mm -hmm. the, you know, traditionally scotch was either, so, you know, single malt scotch was either, you know, peated or not. And that was basically it. And then it was either in a sherry cask or a bourbon cask, right? And so most, most uh, scotch is finished in bourbon casks because they can get them. And, mm-hmm. you know, the world quit drinking sherry at some point. I think it was between World War I and World War Two, And so they kind of, you know, started running out of sherry barrels. But uh, I, I really love um, scotch that comes out of sherry butts. Um, but, you know, they started um, experimenting a little bit with, with barrel finishes, uh, you know, whatever, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's natural that it would work for bourbon as well. But um, there's also there's only so much you can do with with your mash bill. Right. And mm-hmm. so if if you want to like if you look at it like art, kind of like I do, and you want to create more and make more and paint more pictures, you would like to have more colors to paint sure. with. And so, you know, one option is um, to blend whiskeys. So get barrels from, um, you know, other distilleries or, you know, Indiana uh, whiskey or Kentucky whiskey or Tennessee mm-hmm. whiskey and um and do some blending and um you know i love to do that we we don't do a ton of blending um anymore but um, i still like to because it gives you you know more colors to paint with but cask finishing um is a great way to do it so Mm -hmm. when i first started thinking about it um as someone who likes to drink i you know i just instantly understood that port and bourbon went together like peanut butter and jelly so we did a port cask finish first mm-hmm. and you know you can do um um you know there, there are different styles of port but tawny works best so we do we mm-hmm. do tawny cask uh, finishes uh love that whiskey um I also love sherry and so for mm-hmm. for people that drink sherry if, if you don't drink sherry you don't realize how diverse sherry is if you do drink sherry you know what I'm talking about and so on the dry side there's fino sherries, and fino mm-hmm. sherries can be so dry that it's like a competition to like ruin your palate like that's how <laughs> dry it it's sort of like sure. there's a competition to make the hoppiest ipa or mm-hmm. the meatiest isla style scotch you know there's a competition in uh in sherry to make the driest sherry and you know i you know I mean, I appreciate them, but like the really dry ones are tough. And then it goes all the way over to cream cherries, which are so sweet that I, I always say like a baby would drink it. Like that's how sweet it is. Okay. So in, in between there, there's a whole range. And so um, I love sherry and I, I, in my mind, you know, thought that sherry and bourbon should go together. But what ended up happening was I ended up ruining a lot of bourbon because um, it mostly does not work until you get to uh towards the cream spectrum and i mean i i didn't want to do i mean a, a cream sherry i don't even know if there are cream sherry barrels I, you know i think cream sherry is like probably made in a plastic tote or something <laughs> I don't know. but um but px is um it's, it's on the sweeter side of the sherry spectrum and uh and it's magic and so what, what px is short for pedro jimenez pedro jimenez is a great varietal. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a style of, of Sherry from Spain, of course. And, mm-hmm. um, so the, these barrels come off of a Solera. So Solera's are, you know, it's an interesting way to age a spirit. So rather mm-hmm. than just put it in a barrel and then when it's ready, you take it out of the barrel, um, Solera, the, the barrels are all connected. And so you put the new make in on the top and you, you take the age stuff off the bottom right so it's Mm -hmm. it it all gets sort of mixed in and the barrels are all of different age and um when these barrels are ready to be retired that's when we get them and so you know a lot of these barrels are like 100 years old um so it's it's cool and um Mm -hmm. so i love the i love the px finish um it it's what's nice about it to me um is that again it's bourbon but there's more, right? And so the more are the sherry notes and particularly the sherry wood notes. So the sherry wood becomes really, really prominent. And then, um, you know, dark fruits, you know, things like, um, uh, you know, fig date, raisin, all that stuff's in there. A little bit of nuttiness, you know, not, not as Mm -hmm. much as on the port, but a little bit of the nuttiness in there. And so, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a complex, complex whiskey and um you know it's very developed and um deep and uh i I love that one um it's also the best whiskey i've ever had with a cigar so if you're a cigar smoker don't even waste your time just go straight to that (laughs) and have that with your cigar and you won't be disappointed Um, some of the best whiskeys out there that you think would be great with a cigar don't work you know and it's like like our single barrel like our single barrel we um that we release we always uh pick the barrels that concentrate butterscotch notes and mm-hmm. you would think it would just go so nice with the cigar it does not uh <laughs> but this this one is magic and so um yeah
0: i can see how um, it would complement it well yeah this for is
1: sure. i love this this yeah. is like <laughs> i could just sip this and uh, yeah just keep going <laughs>
0: well i'm gonna have to compare some notes with the cigar so there's the rest of my night um <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, no, this is very good. Like, like you said there, it is complex. There's Mm -hmm. a lot that gets to you there, Mm -hmm. a lot of flavors, but wow. That is very good.
3: Yeah. The -hmm. thing I've noticed is, um, you know, industry people like really love this one. Um, Mm -hmm. the average consumer probably prefers the port cask finish more because you know, it's a little sweeter and it's really easy to figure out. But you know, if you're, if you're in the industry or you're into cocktails, Mm-hmm. this is something that uh, that that makes sense uh, to your yeah. palate and so this is for you yeah. if you're that person this is for you
0: yeah I'm uh for those that like a, a sweeter old fashioned, this tastes like it would be kind of perfect in it because it's not overly sweet but there's just that that there's, sweetness that would complement it perfectly. like you Whoa. mentioned
1: fig and date and I really get yeah those out of this. Yeah.
0: This would be a, make an amazing Mm -hmm. kind of just on the sweet side, old fashioned for sure. Yeah, that
3: is a, that's a cocktail crusher too. It's, and Mm -hmm. that is amazing in an old fashioned. I love that in an old fashioned. Yeah, Mm it's, it's, that's actually my go-to in an old fashioned is the PX.
0: Okay, Okay. nice. Mm -hmm. We've done, um, when we've had some varieties from the same distillery before we've done blind old fashioned ratings. I think we're gonna have to do that yeah man do it yeah i think this one i think we'll know i think we'll know yeah (laughs) but
1: still it'll be fun yeah 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 put them all in an old-fashioned and
0: yeah line them up Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hmm. that That one is very good is that your favorite so far so far so far i
1: thought the 105 i really like the 105 (laughs) this is just
0: taking us on a journey where they're they're getting more like higher and higher ranked for miranda
3: (laughs) All right. Well, we'll we'll see. uh, We'll see what you think of the Broncos blend because we're kind of like you you have to sort of pick your poison as as to your order. But I felt like that that um, that triple threat right there was definitely the right way to go. But now we're kind of like we're getting out of the zone here a little bit because we're going back to a lower proof. And Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's the right order. Um, So the the Broncos blends are are um, are cool. I mean, mainly because of the partnership. and again, the, the people in the organization of the Denver Broncos are, I mean, they're just they're some of the very best people you could ever hope to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to do as much as we can with them. and we love hanging out. and like I said, I'm going to the Super Bowl this weekend and um, hanging out with the Broncos. so um, and it's cool. you know, I'm also a chiefs fan, so they always, you know <laughs> it, it, it's it gets kind of testy sometimes, but, <laughs> but i'm I'm a Broncos fan too, so you know I, yeah. Uh, you know whatever um but um so what what we do is um we do a special release uh once a year of bourbon and we mm-hmm. do two blends we do an orange blend and a blue blend uh we get two vet two alumni broncos alumni to come in because active players again because the nfl is you know won't, won't yeah. let them so uh Great. but anyway uh so you have to be a veteran and so uh, we will get two veterans um and we'll divide into two teams um one will go with hans our head distiller who's incredibly talented distiller who Mm -hmm. just had a baby uh, a couple days Mm -hmm. ago he didn't have it but his wife did but you know he (laughs) he still still counts um sure so uh, congrats to hans but um so hans hans will take one and then i'll take the other and uh, we'll, we'll work on uh two different blends and um and then uh, we release them. We do one release per year. Um, mm-hmm. There's a QR code on the on the bottle so you can scan it and, and vote for the one you like best if you try them both. And so we, we have this competition going and, you know, because it's football. So there has to be competition. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> um, so anyway, it, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And yeah. we, we only sell it here in Colorado. Um, and uh, we, we just try to get hopefully end up with two kind of different blends. And each year, you know, they're they're a little different. So um, this year, the the orange blend, um, what? So uh, again, on on the nose, what I remember, I don't have that one right in front of me, but what I remember it is, um, you know, very approachable whiskey, easy mm-hmm. drinker, but um, it it had a unique set of really nice little spicy notes, holiday spices mm-hmm. and things like that that we really mm-hmm. liked. Um, and versus the. The blue had more, it was more about um, like mouthfeel and like a creamy mouthfeel and, you know, what we would call like a fruit, fruit for or more of an, I guess the right way to say it was well-balanced bourbon. So the blue was like really well-balanced with great mouthfeel and the orange was skewed a little more to like the holiday spice uh, side.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
1: Alrighty.
0: Yeah, we have a so we have a listener who's been tuning in every episode who lives mm-hmm. in Denver and was telling us about the the uh, blue and orange. They're the they're the first ones. It was like you gotta you gotta try to get Breckenridge and, and talk with them because they, they're a big fan of your whiskey.
3: Well, that's awesome. So well, shout well, thank out thank you
0: to that fan. I, really yeah, I was going I know him by his screen name on YouTube, Juke. So shout out to Juke. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice.
3: And look, you know, I mean, our our business is still um, it's one person at a time, one handshake at a time. And, you know, if uh, if if you like our whiskey and you're willing to support us, I just say thank you, because, you know, without you and all of you, um, you know, this doesn't happen. And this is a really cool thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a it's a business. um, But it's special um and you know the the people in this the people that we work with um you know 100 and 135 people they're the best of the best and we love our jobs we love coming to work um what we do i mean it's just it's rare to find what we have um it's a little shangri-la you know and um so thank you because without you you know i'm just uh I'm just, um, you know, doctoring. So which is great, but,
0: <laughs> Sure, yeah. yeah, very cool. So um, can I ask who the veterans were or the alumni, I guess, of Denver that uh, did this year's or is this?
3: Yeah. So um, this year we had gosh, I, I got to remember, I get my years right. So um, we had so uh, gosh, Jake Plummer was the last two years. Uh, oh. We had Carl Mecklenburg um, last year. And so this year we had Ed McCaffrey and okay. we had a uh, big Al, uh, offensive lineman. Uh, 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 I'm just, I'm at a loss for words. Um, yeah, I can't. the Well, big Al, I mean, we had big, yeah. Al.
2: yeah. So,
3: and, uh, I was with McCaffrey, uh, who's, um, you know, whose son is playing, uh, yeah. against the, the chefs on uh Sunday. So good luck CMC <laughs> and
1: uh, to Eddie.
0: And the whole family, so uh, very cool. That's neat. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine that's a lot of fun for them to be able to come into a distillery, right. and a, yeah. learn yeah. some more about whiskey and everything. So well, they,
3: yeah, we always have fun, and they usually like bring their families, and we'll have some super fans come and some mm-hmm. cheerleaders come, and we kind of make a whole day of it and eat great food and blend whiskey and. <laughs> Everyone That's goes so on.
0: awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. The, uh, and just to jump back to Juke, I know you said you're a Broncos and a Chiefs fan. He is just a Broncos fan. And the, uh, the Chiefs success is weighing on him a little bit. He's worried he's <laughs> going to have to deal with it, much like uh, everybody in the Patriots division had to deal with them when Tom Brady, yeah. he's worried that, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to be a problem for the next decade. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I understand the apathy and, the you yeah. know, and as I wasn't a Broncos fan until I moved out here. Sure. Um, so, you know, before that, I was only a Chiefs fan and, you know, we were pretty awful for a long time. So mm-hmm. I, I, the futility is, it, it's a painful feeling. <laughs> but future is bright for the Broncos, man. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I'm very confident in that it, it might take a year or two, but mm-hmm. uh,
0: the future is bright. Just out of curiosity, do you want them to draft a quarterback in the first round or <laughs> what are your thoughts yes, there? I
3: mean, they're just at they're 12, the 12th mm-hmm. pick. I mean, how, what are you going to do? I just, I feel like, you know, there's, there's three, three great quarterbacks most likely. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I think it's a bit, it's, it's a crapshoot. Do you see them trading up? Uh, well, there's a lot of talk of that, but I mean, I don't know how they could possibly trade up because they're already light on draft capital Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they don't have, they don't have players to trade. Right. So the, right. The players that, um, based off of where they're at in their contracts that, you know, are tradable, um, well, so you, you know, you Josie Jewell might, you might be able to get something for him. You might be able to get something for Jerry Judy. Um, yeah. But I mean, you've got one of the best players in the NFL on defense, you know, Pat Sertan. Everybody, yeah. I mean, he's really the only like major draft capital you could trade. But God, you, I mean, you can't trade that guy. He's, yeah, he's, he's amazing. You've got to keep him. I read so an I, an article. I'll see how they
0: do it. Yeah, I read an article mm-hmm. where they traded Sertan uh, and their oh, first rounder to the Bears for that number one pick. and I, I But I don't see that happening. I, well, I mean, I just don't.
3: Look at how many, like, um, number one draft picks or, you know, number one, two, or three that were quarterbacks that were a complete bust. Right, yeah, I most mean, most of them on the Bears. Well, I mean, most of them, you know, everywhere. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, Ryan Leaf. You know, I mean, yeah, I just, you just, you never know. And I mean, Houston, like, man, they they, they nailed it, and the Chiefs nailed yeah. it with Mahomes. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, it's usually doesn't um, work out. So, I and I don't think like the Bron- the Broncos can't afford to. To make a big miss again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for sure. I, I think they're better off drafting towards the you know best player available and positions mm-hmm. that they need and develop a quarterback, you know, however, you know, with hold it together with chewing gum and gauze pads, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> and um, and I you know, I think Sean Payton um you know, can if anyone can do that, I think he can, right? I mean, look what yeah. he mm-hmm. did for the and I mean, yeah. you don't and and I mean look at look how uh, Brock Purdy's doing in the Shanahan system you know and mm-hmm. i i'm a big 12 guy so i watched Brock Purdy play uh, you know his whole college career and he was he was a good big 12 quarterback but he wasn't exceptional um right. but he's got he's good and he's got the right skill set and he's in the right program and you put that all together and he he's great right, mm-hmm. he's, right. he's he's playing phenomenal football um because he's in the right place you know that yeah. that fits there you know, he, round peg, round hole, right? It's like so. <laughs> I, I think Sean Payton can do that, but I, I just, I feel like uh, Russell his his style of play, you know, just for whatever reason, just I, I don't think Sean Payton has the right system for him. You know, sure. I think his style of play. And God, it was so much fun watching Russell Wilson play for Pete Carroll. I mean, just he was amazing in Seattle, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. I love. I just i love it mm-hmm. and um and plus russell is um he's genuinely one of the nicest people you'll ever meet yeah and uh yeah and i mean he's cool but his wife's way cooler uh you know <laughs> uh, and sierra has a rum brand by the way i can't remember the really? name of it but Aww. check it out yeah and um,
0: nope.
1: i to do that
0: yeah um i'm as a bears fan we're constantly reminded that <laughs> The Bears could have taken Patrick Mahomes, but instead yeah. drafted Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, uh, we we get to hear that a lot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, would we have ruined him? <laughs>
0: yeah, I I don't think Mahomes and the way Chicago was, I just don't think it would have worked either. Yeah, way. Yeah,
3: that's that's the thing, man. It's all everything has to align. Yep, you know, mm-hmm. um, unless you're Tom Brady, and then I think he'd be successful
0: anywhere.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Or, or as, as proven from Patriots but, to Bucks, <laughs> but.
3: Tom Brady in, you know, when he played at Michigan, I mean, meh, (laughs) right? So the goat, like the goat was like not a, you know, he wasn't on everyone's radar coming out of college. So what's, what's going to happen with the bears?
1: I'm, I'm hoping we trade that first round pick. I, yeah, there's so much talk about Caleb Williams right now. And I don't want us to give up on fields. Like if we utilize fields the way I feel like we need to, I feel like. We have a great quarterback. We're just not.
0: I mean, there's there's talks at Washington who just hired mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury as their OC, that even to move from two to one, that they would give up three first rounders. I say, well, why not take that? Oh, holy draft shit. Draft? I would take that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, draft yeah. Marvin Harrison. He played with DJ Moore. I mean oh. they grew up together. Yeah. And, and DJ Moore plus Marvin Harrison, Cole Komet is he does well, even though nobody seems to like him. I think that gives fields the chance to, to move the ball down the field. And at that point he has one more year to show, like, you're the guy. Mm -hmm. If not, then they can reevaluate. That's that's what I hope happens. I think
3: Marvin Harrison Jr. will, he will change the field like, Mm -hmm. like Tyreek Hill did, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, yeah,
0: I, I agree completely with that. All right. Well, Oh, we appreciate you uh running us through these tastings yes. We got a couple more questions here just right. um what can people expect when they planning a trip to the distillery because as far as different tours and tastings it looked like there were a couple different options as well as dining which i looked at the menu and i was hungry right away it looked like <laughs> it was amazing food
3: it really is yeah i mean the distillery is a destination for sure um you you, you have to dine for sure um uh you know you, sh- you should try to get dinner, but, um, it, you know, it fills up and it's booked out. So you got to plan ahead and you got to have a reservation. So um, mm-hmm. okay. m- make sure you do that or you, we probably won't be able to get you in. But um, uh, Chef Robbie Reyes, tremendous chef. Um, the service is phenomenal. You know, we really pride ourselves on that. And, and our goal is to blow you away when you're there. So you remember the distillery. Mm-hmm. And after you leave, you talk about it and hopefully, you know, support us. Um, so we want to blow you away, um, with the experience there. So restaurant is, um, it's a must. If you can't get in for dinner, you've got to do the happy hour. I actually, I, the, the dinner is an incredible experience, which you have to do, but personally I like the happy hour, um, just because of the food selection. And, um, it starts at two o'clock, it goes from two to five. And, uh, it's, it's like, um, it's not as eloquent of, uh, of cuisine, but it's solid. And, uh, so, uh, I love the happy hour. So if you can't get dinner, do do happy hour. Um, if you're, um, if you want to nerd out or spend some money, you know, there are a few experiences that are worth it. Um, one is if you can book, um, a chocolate and spirits flight, which will change your life, it will (laughs) blow you away. Um, so I've worked with these chocolatiers for years. Um, we, I, we traded so i gave them all my booze they gave me all their chocolates these are uh, chocolatiers from all across the world and uh we have a it's a five spirit five chocolate lineup it'll blow you away so not not just flavor but texture mouthfeel um crunch crackle pop all of it it, it, it'll it'll blow you away. i recommend that any any time i have um you know vip guests in i i always try to have them experience that um you can also do a flight and five bites from chef um, he, he will knock you out you know, you'll be having things like, uh, you know, a five Wagyu and caviar and things like that with, with your spirits. It's incredible. And then we do a whiskey blending lab, um, as well. You get three hours with one of our distillers. Um, they will run you through the whole process. So how we think about whiskey, how we look at, look at it, how we nose it and taste it and how we think about and execute blending. And so you will get, um, usually four different, very different whiskeys, um, whiskeys of different age, maybe different mash bills. Uh, maybe we'll throw in a barrel from Indiana or Kentucky or something like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and we will teach you how to blend whiskey. You will blend your own whiskey. Um, you take notes. And so after you're done, then our distillers will um, blend you up with your recipe, a bottle or two for you to take. Or if you want more, they'll make more for you and you can pick it up the next day um but it's you don't get to do that right i mean you can't oh, really right. go to distilleries yeah. and they aren't willing to show you how they do it or take the time to do it because i mean it's a huge pain in the ass to, to do this right as you can imagine <laughs> yeah full yeah. yeah. distiller out for three hours and you know have a room exclusively for for uh, you know a few people and set it up but um it's super cool so i i would i That's would recommend sweet. that experience as
2: well mm-hmm. and if
3: you can't and you just want to stop in um you can just stop in and do a free tasting or you can um you know, we can upsell you to a, a bigger tasting or, or whatever. Um, but you know, we, we can make it happen. Um, restaurants closed on Monday, so please don't show up on Monday expecting to eat.
0: <laughs> Good to know.
1: Um, that's, that's awesome. You guys have we a lot, up until lot two, awesome.
0: So we don't do lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, um, I don't know if it'll work this year, but next year maybe. A well,
3: I mean, yeah, on, I mean, like you, you got know, a guy. So when you guys are ready yeah. to come out, let us know. And uh, yeah, wine.
1: absolutely, we've yeah. got to get out there. I, I for sure will be out there in the Denver area at some point within for the work. next year if yeah. it works. So we can make an extended trip of it. And, there you go. Yes. let do
2: it. <laughs>
3: Sounds That'd be good. be awesome.
1: So, is there anything else that maybe we didn't ask, or anything else you want to share?
2: Oh, gosh.
3: Wow. <laughs> um, it is. You know, I, I, I just I think, uh, you know, I can talk about um, our whole portfolio and our whiskeys all day long. But but really, I mean, to experience it, you, you should come. I just mm-hmm. you know, I, I just can't emphasize enough how, how cool of an experience it is to come to Breckenridge and uh, come to Breckenridge and stay here for a good couple days or so. Um, and there's so much to do, you know, winter or summer, you know, plan your activities. And it's just such a special place. And, um, please, please come to Breckenridge and, and experience it. You'll be blown away. Um, you know, and spend a little time with the distillery. Um, but, you know, hopefully you'll leave as an evangelist, you know, uh, <laughs> not, not just a patron. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a cool thing to see and mm-hmm. sure. You know, the, I, I also I can't emphasize enough just the, how great the culture is in the company and how great the people are. And I mean, we're really a big, dysfunctional family. And I mean, you, you'll just you'll <laughs> see you'll see the pride, you know, in everything at the distillery uh, for everybody um, in every little thing you see. And hopefully you see the it uh, with everything. Yeah. And the it is like it's hard to describe, but it's you feel it when you go to a place that has the it. You just know it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that the floor mats are clean and you're instantly greeted and you get eye contact and a smile and genuine conversation and you just have fun. Um, so, um, that's what we're about. And then when you go home, um, and you find a bottle of Breckenridge, uh, you know, bourbon at your local liquor store, you can drink it and remember your time at Breckenridge Yeah, and just kind of slip back and be like, ah, oh,
0: take your blood pressure down a little bit. <laughs> sure. Very yes. cool. So that awesome. Every time we do one of these that, uh, like the the information is great which your information was just amazing your your background everything was amazing it seems like when we have ones that really stand out which this one is going to my parents book a trip so
2: <laughs> you do so <laughs>
0: you can expect to see my That's parents in, in breckenridge as well so. hey, man.
3: Always, always down for hanging with mom and dad. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. Yes. They, I, I just have a feeling. That yeah, they're, like, they're gonna we're, let we're us going know back like, to Breckenridge. Yep, we're going yep. to Breckenridge. We haven't been in a long time, and we're gonna go and visit the distillery. So,
1: I, uh, yeah, I was her. thinking the same thing. Oh, you yeah. just spoke the words yeah. that were in my head. All right.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for your time. Yes, I encourage you. everybody. If you can't make it to the uh, distillery, go find the whiskey because. It's uh, I know it's in a lot of places and you, you won't regret it. Um, what no. was your final answer on your favorite?
1: The PX, the PX. Oh my gosh, right. that was so good. It was un- like, I, I don't know. I, that's a favorite for me. I'm
0: really tied between that and the, uh, the, 105 the 105 proof. Yeah. The
1: 105 is my second second. Okay. Close second. <laughs> yeah. They're
3: Thanks two of my so
0: favorites for sure.
3: Yeah. Very
1: yeah. good you stuff. You have to try the rum
3: cask sometime. Oh, okay. That, yes. one's, yeah. um, that one's awesome. So, um, we make the rum. And then Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we get to when we do a spiced rum and then we age the whiskey in the rum barrels. Um, And so it's got the spiced rum notes, which are very flavorful. So there's a Mm -hmm. lot going on in there and it it actually drinks like a cocktail. So Mm -hmm. you can just have yourself. It's a neat glass of whiskey, but it's kind of a cocktail. But you're not getting all the carbohydrates. So
0: Mm -hmm. you get the best of both worlds yeah when we were in colorado didn't did we get that from my dad we got him a breckenridge thing madeira oh we got a Ma- madeira ah oh, oh, madeira god yeah oh, it was. God, fucking
2: yeah whiskey sorry pardon <laughs> that,
0: was, that was such
3: a pain we're uh if you can find the madeira out there buy it because we're i'm not making any more of it
1: <laughs> oh, He's oh, got a bottle. God, it so
3: hard to make that whiskey uh which we can talk about another time i, I could spit, do a whole podcast on uh complaining <laughs> about how hard it is to do a Madeira finish on a bourbon oh well,
0: anytime you want to come mm-hmm. back you're always welcome we'll <laughs> yes, talk uh, absolutely we'll talk whiskey we'll talk <laughs> broncos <laughs> and chiefs if you want <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah and thank you so much for your yes, time thank and, you this and has been great absolutely yeah thanks guys thank you all right thank you so much to brian knoll of breckenridge distillery that was amazing yeah no, it really was had a lot of good information
1: yes absolutely I have to ask you having, obviously this is a later release
0: Mm -hmm. of the
1: interview and having gone through the tasting of the four that we were lucky to get sent to us and go through and taste with Brian old. Um, which of those four between the bourbon, the high proof, the, uh, it was team orange
0: yes the for the the broncos orange yep they have the blue and they have the orange we had the team orange
1: yes and then the px sherry
0: oh man that's tough because for me it's it's really between the px sherry and the high proof the high proof Mm -hmm. was really impressive because it was complex and based off tasting the 86 Mm -hmm. then you think jumping to 105 you're like oh man this is gonna have a lot more heat but it didn't no and it was it was
1: crazy it was I, I did, I I think I'm in the same boat with you, the PX. I think that is just such a good, it was phenomenal too. such a good sipper on its own. And then that, I guess all of them, all of them are a good sipper on their own. And even the high proof I would sip on its own. Um, but it, they were good. I'm in between that. I think the PX Sherry, just because this is probably one of my favorite, uh, bourbons finished. In Mm -hmm. PX Cherry.
0: Yeah. That's like a
1: very popular finish. Mm -hmm. I feel like, especially right now, like they're popping up all over. Oh, yeah. People must have started, you know, those barrels must have become available all at the (laughs) same time and all these different distilleries invested in them and started, Mm -hmm. you know, finishing their bourbon and whiskeys in the PX Cherry. And I feel like we're just starting to see all these PX Cherry finishes pop up.
0: Yeah. Well, and some of them are like 100 years old, 100 year old barrels. So, Mm -hmm. um, so it makes sense that maybe they're just starting to become available. But uh, I have not. Brian did say that the the PX Sherry matched perfectly with the cigar. I have mm-hmm. not had an opportunity to test that yet, <laughs> but don't worry. I'm going to <laughs> I know you
1: are. Um, and speaking of the PX Sherry and yeah. more so time management, this really comes down to time management because. Me you wondering can't, where you're going with this. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, photos. <laughs> I do our photos when I'm yeah. taking photos of our whiskey bottles, like to, you know, we I you had it up at the start of this podcast. The I wouldn't say lovely photo I took, but the photo I took. <laughs> I thought
0: it, I thought it was lovely. I thought I mean, it turned out that. cool.
1: Look yeah. At look at that. But um you can't i can't i guess it's me i can't take a photo of a bottle that's almost gone (laughs) right and (laughs) we did our um our super bowl episode of the show where we we brought in all these cocktail recipes and i made them super bowl themed for everybody and this was the week that we interviewed brian noltz so we had tried these breckenridge whiskeys right and i used a couple of them in some of the recipes well the px Sherry, it was the chief sour yes a twist on a just a whiskey sour. a whiskey sour yeah it was a little twist but i made it the uh chief sour or a swifty sour if you weren't a football fan but which, you're a taylor swift fan
0: which brian would have appreciated because even though he's a broncos <laughs> fan he was a Chiefs fan yes, first that's a complicated relationship <laughs> very
1: complex very complex the same same division there and yes yeah just. Mm. but we watched the super bowl with my parents Mm -hmm. um doing those cocktails that got a lot of feedback that chief sour with because it was the breckenridge bourbon in the px sherry finish and then you know your lemon juice and everything like that Mm -hmm. so anyway um
0: we went through some of the px sherry
1: we did uh, during the super bowl because yes. that was what um we watched it with my parents my mom wanted to try that drink yes. so many of those drinks were made and the <laughs> bottle no longer looked like how i wanted to take a photo of the bottle <laughs> so time management to circle yes. back to the beginning here i need to take my photos before because we went out i don't regret buying a second bottle no but we went out and bought another bottle of that px cherry for that photo because i could not take a photo of it half or more gone
0: (laughs) (laughs) now now something else speaking of buying Uh bottles i want to get my hands on the port finish because since we recorded with brian even since then the port finish went Mm -hmm. to the world whiskey awards and won the best finished bourbon in the world um so I got to try it. I mean, we, we have to try <laughs> we have it. To. It won the best. It, you know, it's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the PX Sherry is good. The port yes. must be another step and up. Uh, all even. of them
1: are good. And let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about what makes this whiskey unique. Yeah. Not only. Oh, what?
0: Well, I was just going to say one of the things that really jumped out, out at me is Brian said that the water. Yes. Using the Breckenridge water was. You are
1: taking the words out of my mouth. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> he
0: said it was an incredibly unfair advantage. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really interesting.
1: Well, it is like, think about like water. People don't think about like, there's a lot to water. There's minerals in your water. There's, you know, when, when you're getting it right from their source, like they're getting Mm -hmm. it, no other water has that composition except for right there. Yeah. And that really impacts the whiskey. Yeah. And another thing that impacts their whiskey is their elevation. I mean, it's all Mm -hmm. different, the climate, the environment it's all different there so yeah they they do have it's it's not like it's not a gimmick where you like how different regions right that's right. not gimmicky that's like legitimate
0: yeah. your
1: environment your water your resources that you're using all impacts
0: yeah for sure how
1: the whiskey is made so for sure um we're definitely gonna have to hunt down a bottle of that
0: yes i agree
1: port finished um, and port i mean before whiskey, there was port for us. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we loved si- sipping port around a fire pit in yeah. the summer, in the fall. Um,
0: and a port finished whiskey. I mean, there
1: was always whiskey, but before we, I would say me, especially I yeah.
0: before you were baking the whiskey,
1: <laughs> you um, are not this in, you know, I was not a whiskey lover. Yeah. yeah. We, whiskey were, was my
0: drink. I just wasn't as invested or enthusiastic mm-hmm. about it, I guess. Yes. Um. We got to try the rum as well the rum finished because it's mm-hmm. it's finished in their own rum casks yes i uh, gotta try that I, I believe he said that's like a cocktail on its own because mm-hmm. it's like it's a whiskey drink but it, with the rum flavors it's a spiced rum so that jumps through um and then i mean make sure you keep following us because we are going to review the two clans that they were nice enough to yes. send to us
1: <laughs> it, Um just amazing that was yeah that was such a treat um
0: amazing to have the
1: two clans sent we have not tried it yet it's coming up um we have a couple other whiskeys scheduled and then that will be its own episode because i am so excited to try that that is you can only get it at the distillery
0: and they're running out and they're running out
1: when we recorded our interview with brian he said there was maybe three weeks left at Mm -hmm. the distillery of their supply so the fact that we got a bottle is awesome and i'm excited to try it
0: now, they are going to come out with some different variations he talked about um, because the the two clans is their dark arts blended mm-hmm. with scotch. And they're going to do different like spinoffs of like a smokier one or, you know, one that has more of this or that. So there will be some other stuff similar to it, but there won't be it and mm-hmm. that's his favorite drinker. He said so
1: <laughs> He's got to have some stashed away somewhere
0: yeah, probably <laughs>
1: maybe no, barrel. he's not <laughs> Just, a whiskey hoarder though. That's true He shared a twenty thousand dollar bottle of whiskey with his team yeah. to train their palates.
0: <laughs> I know, um Brian a twenty
1: dollar bottle of scotch. Let me correct myself. Yes.
0: anytime you would like to help <laughs> us train our pallets. We are down. Yes, uh, we can be <laughs> I great even, team members can't even
1: fath- i've never seen a twenty thousand dollar bottle of anything yeah so
0: right let alone amazing. thought about buying it or <laughs> drinking it like i would if we bought that um i would be afraid to drink it <laughs> like i would be like just taking little tiny sips like That's let's make this point. last for a while but can, no i agree yeah. whiskey point. is meant to be drunk it's, To um, be d- drunk drink. Drink. drink drink whiskey is meant right? to be drank
1: now you're making me second guess myself Anyway moving on
0: whiskey. Yeah. Enjoy, it's meant, it's to, meant be to be enjoyed.
1: enjoyed and shared. Yes,
0: absolutely. 100%. Yes. Uh, do you have anything else to add? This was a great no, this one. Is... We, we hope to obviously make it up to Breckenridge soon, but if you're around the area, make sure you go there. And mm-hmm. if you're not, likely you can find some Breckenridge products at your liquor store, grocery store or whatever. Go check it out. Uh, It's definitely worth it. It's very affordable, very good priced. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, go check it out. We like 105, the high proof or the PX sherry. Those are some recommendations from us, but it's all good.
1: It is absolutely.
0: Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? No. All right. uh, My whiskey is about to be gone. I'm gonna go have. I I need to. I need to experiment with the cigar and the PX sherry. We got (laughs) to. We got to see if he was right there. So going once going twice
1: sold